Welcome, everybody. You're listening to another excellent episode of the Ad Skills Pro podcast, where we share case studies from real life campaigns run by top ad buyers. The best part is, as you know, you'll have a chance to hire these pros at the end of each show. My name is Kate Buck, and today I am sitting down with Sunny Sukumar to share with you about his best case studies. Hello, Sunny. Hi, Kate. Great to be with you. Nice I come in peace from well. Planet Dork Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the right place. We want to hear all about your campaigns and the data and all the details of the numbers. That's what we're here for. But first, do a little storytelling with us. Take us down memory lane and tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you got into media buying. And I really want to hear what was the you know, main attraction factor for you that had you um, become a media buyer. Yeah, I'm happy to share that. I, I make the joke about Planet Dorkner just because I started out in, in IT. I went to school way back when in the late 90s and graduated in 02 with a degree in computer science and electrical engineering and was headed into software. And I loved coding and I, I've been coding since I was about age 13 or 14 and I still do some now because marketing is so technical these days so that really helps to just have that background but I did go into software and my first job after I'd failed on a couple of my own startups because I graduated into the O2 crash or the dot-com crash I had perfect timing of course during my college years the market was booming and as soon as I graduated all the jobs were gone so I'm just me working. too I graduated in 2003 so hello. Okay, yes perfect. I had totally, no job yeah totally get it and so I thought, okay, I don't know what to do. I'm going to work on something. I'm going to gain some skills. And I just worked on a couple of startups with some friends and didn't get funding. Not surprisingly, all the funding dried up too. And honestly, didn't really know that much about what I was doing other than the technical part. And even that, I was kind of a rookie, right? Just graduated school. So, but in 05, I did get my first kind of real software engineering job. It was like the world's number two travel community at the time. And they said, I was excited. I thought I'm going to get to work on the website and all the stuff that people are going to see. I'm going to be able to tell my friends that hey, I worked on that page and that that's going to be really cool, right? And they're like, no, actually, you're going to work on this backend tool. Actually, you're going to build us a custom tracking and analytics platform because we don't actually like Google Analytics. At the time, Google had just bought this company called Urchin and they renamed it. They renamed that product to Google Analytics because Google didn't have a product. And that's why actually UTM parameters that you and UTM is actually Urchin. It's a little little tidbit for the other fellow nerds out there. Trivia. <laughs> uh, yeah, trivia. And they said, well, Google Analytics is pretty new and can't quite do what we want. So you've got to build us something custom. And I'm this junior software engineer, not really knowing what I'm just getting myself into and not, not excited, right? Because <laughs> I thought I was going to get to work on the website. And so I take this on. And it's, it's, it's a challenging project. I had never done anything like that. And I probably almost got fired a couple of times during that because it was just such a challenging project and it wasn't able to deliver that project for quite a while, but finally was able to. And when I was, and when I built this reporting part of it, which automatically generated these Excel spreadsheets and sent them, emailed them to the, the C-suite executives, the CEO and the CTO and marketing people every day, then I started to see the results that they were getting just because they got the insights. And I saw that they were making decisions based on it and just really clicked in my head how powerful the data is and, and how important it is. And if it's wrong, which I, I got some of, the, uh, some of the data wrong sometimes, there were some glitches 
glitches in my code. There were some glitches in my uh, database queries. And, and I, I really heard about it when that happened. And I just evolved that way. And I eventually went into other types of IT. And I, I had met a friend along the way after I quit that job. I actually wanted to go work in the personal growth industry because I, I came from a background of severe social anxiety and depression and other things that I was just really challenged by. And I thought I, I need to heal myself somehow. It's not just about having a cool like tech job. I need to actually heal and be find a way to be a happy person. And so I wanted to go work in that field. And I got a job, I got an IT job in a personal growth company. So I took that. And then I started to see other types of the other side of the the more business side, I got to do the tech side of stuff, but I also got to not only work on myself, but I also got to work on marketing things because I was helping manage affiliates and sending out email campaigns. And I had always liked to write. So some of these things started coming together in my mind, like, oh my gosh, there's a whole new path. I didn't even know that there was a such thing called copywriting. I mean, that people write and other people's voices. I thought, wow, that's so cool. I, I always thought people wrote for themselves. I mean, I was really that naive. <laughs> And that there was this whole marketing team behind all the messages that a given person who is the, the face of the business puts out. And so that's, that's, that was an evolution. I, so I, I basically spent a number of years exploring different parts of marketing and also different parts of tech and how they fit together. And then fast forward all the way to 2017 and my intuition started telling me maybe, you know, I saw, I was on the ad skills list and back then it was DMBI and some other things. Some other, had another name back then, but my intuition started nudging me that, hey, you, you might want to sign up for this media buying course, the media buying bootcamp. And I was like, no, I, don't, I shouldn't do that. I'm a conversion guy. And that was the story I was telling in my head. And I, I recognized that I had all this fear. You know, when you do personal growth work, you start to recognize the stories you tell yourself and fear comes up. You're like, well, what's the real story behind all this fear? And I always give, whenever I possibly can, I, I trust my intuition. My intuition was clear below the fear that this is the next step for me. And I just trusted it. And I didn't even have exactly, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with that. But I did know from a previous startup, I was working on a relationship coaching startup with a friend and I'd done some other stuff where I started doing traffic on my own because I had to. And so like, if I don't do it, it's not going to work. And so I had spent about $5,000 before coming to AdSkills. Now it's about a million dollars. So it's a lot different, but I just knew that I wanted to really get some bearings in that. And so I came into to ad skills in 2017. And then when I came into pro league, that's when John Belcher really took me aside and said that all this, the nerd stuff, because he's a fellow nerd, he said, this is how you can use it in advertising. And this is how you can focus yourself. And that was a really powerful thing for me. Mm -hmm. What a journey. Thank you for sharing that with us. So I'd love to know what it sounds like John was a mentor for you and how else that ad skills specifically the community maybe in the beginning helped you to get um, get your start and even now today going from that that ad spend up to where it is now is quite a difference. How has the Ad Skills Pro or has the Ad Skills community impacted you? Yeah, in so many ways. I, I always am I'm, I'm super grateful to, to John because he did take the time when I first joined. He personally reached out to me and we got on a call and he, he gave me some some really good tips about this is what you're going to see along your journey. And I've I've seen every single thing. It was almost like it was almost like a set of premonitions, and every one of those premonitions came true as I I've, as I've gone through my journey. I'm like, yeah, that's what he was talking about. Because I didn't fully understand everything at the time, but as I've spent more and as I've worked with various clients, like all the things that he told me that they, they've all come true, and they've all been really helpful for me in avoiding situations and, and pain. Uh, I've still gotten myself into in painful situations because it's just a natural part of doing anything, but it's helped me to get out of it faster. And uh, one of the things was that I. I didn't take a very straight line path. I tend to be a very scenic route kind of person in the sense that I want to get a full picture of 
what the landscape looks like. So when he told me how important it was that I could, I would master the analytics, I went off and I became an analytics consultant for a, a solid year. I did a lot of work in Pro League for other members, but also on Upwork. And I was just doing various projects for all kinds of companies in different industries. Some of them were tiny projects. Some of them were really big projects where it was going to impact revenue and their ad spend and all kinds of stuff. And sometimes I was working with the CEOs and other times I was just working with, you know, middle managers or whoever it was. But at the, by the end of the 2018, somehow Upwork put me on, uh, you know, that big screen in New York Times Square. They, they put my picture up there and they said, yeah. this is one of the, there was like a set of um, top freelancers on Upwork and they put our pictures out there. I'm, I'm sure I've scared thousands of people with that picture. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. But, but I've never even been to New York Times Square. And that, so that was just surreal for me. I was like, wow, that, how did that happen? And, and it was, I mean, I, I'm always thankful to Ad Skills for helping me get clarity about that. And obviously, I put the work in and you've got to put the work in. But that was a, a, a big part of how I was able to focus was was what I learned from John, what I learned from Askills. Obviously, the support of caring people. You talk about Justin Brooke, Shauna Brooke. They're so caring as people, obviously very smart people, but they care about you. And then the other members also, they're willing to help and I'm willing to help. And if you bring that spirit of service, magic can happen in your life. And even after being an analytics, analytics consultant, I went off and I was, uh, actually John gave me another opportunity to work with him, uh, to work with him on one of his clients, client accounts. And so I learned some more there. And when that ended, I was looking for some freelance media buying gigs. I was at the time not sure exactly where I was gonna go. And so I was just kind of in the state of surrender, like, you know, universe, show me the way, right? <laughs> and what ended up happening was I didn't get any freelance media buying gigs at the time. I think I, I could have if I really focused, uh, and, you know, kept at it because it's all about persistence. But I ended up getting a, a chief marketing officer job instead. So it was even better than, than I thought it would be. And that's what I've been doing for the last two years. Nice. That's really awesome. I can resonate with that. I um, I do client and freelance work, but I have found a home with one of my clients that I really love right now as a director of marketing. And so very similar. I was just talking to someone earlier today about how why I was making that shift. And I was kind of saying, I don't really know. It just feels like the right direction, at least for now. Right. Um, right. That's what makes it seems to what makes makes most sense makes me smile so i'm continuing in that direction that's awesome that's exactly how i feel so i think yeah uh, it's a good reminder for anybody who's listening to this too that just because you're taking a media buying boot camp or a media buying course it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to become a full-time media buyer that skill is so useful for all kinds of aspects of marketing even if you're just going to work with media buyers you will understand them and they will respect you so much more because you bring that training. It's actually been the theme of the last couple of episodes that I've recorded or that you guys may have listened to. We've heard more from small business owners or people that are taking the course to use it for other reasons besides becoming a media buyer to have an agency. So yeah, that's really, really awesome. Like you said, if you're, if you have a small business owner and you're going to work with media buyers or you want to hire one, it's good to know on any of those levels, you're going to outsource something like how to do it um, yourself. But even people like us that maybe have want to have a non-traditional freelancer career and find a home somewhere or something like that. It's really awesome. Now I want to stop a little with the storytelling and get into the geeky bits here. I'd love to hear over the course of your career. Yeah. What the, uh, that's what we're going to now call this section moving forward on the show is the geeky bits and hear about (laughs) some of your bragworthy campaigns that you want to share. Anything come to mind that's top of the list of things that you, you want to tell us about? Sure, I'll give you a few. And one of them is, is relevant these days, especially on Facebook. 
And I, so I work for a career training company and one of the, the big challenges we have is being stuck in the employment category on Facebook. So when you get put in the housing category or the credit category or the employment category, what they call their three special ads categories, which are as a media buyer, they're not so special because they, they take away your, your targeting pretty much. Uh, they yeah. let you do a version of lookalike audiences, but again, not based on age, not based on a number of traits, not based on you know gender. And for us, it's we tend to have very specific targeting. So that was a huge issue. It's It takes a lot of nuance of, of language to get out of it. But the bottom line was we were spending about 40%, consistently 40% of our ad budget on people that we wouldn't normally target, which is a huge loss. And so by being careful with language, and, and imagery to some extent on the ads as well as the landing pages. Those are the primary places where Facebook is going to review. We've been able to get out of the employment category. And sometimes their algorithm, because it is it's Facebook, right? <laughs> they will, they'll still flag something. But if you're proactive and if, if you find what tends to work, then you can oftentimes find that middle ground where they're not going to stick you in, an, in a category that you shouldn't be in. Of course, if you actually are offering jobs or something, then or if you actually are doing credit offers, or you actually are doing housing offers, then it's hard to get out of that. But there's a whole segment of people. There are probably thousands of businesses that are being miscategorized as these things, and then it's hard for them to get out, and they're having to spend so much more money to get the same results. And so their ROI either goes down dramatically, or they're at a loss now, and they have to find a different platform. So I'm just wanting to share that it's possible. And my Facebook rep, who's a pretty smart guy, he was even surprised. He said, wow, I, I can't believe you got out because most of the time, once you get in, it's hard to get out. <laughs> yeah, so. that's really good to know. We are, my client is uh, teaches real estate investing, but we get stuck in the category, the housing category. Oh, yes. Quite a bit, even though we're not doing housing directly, but... Yeah, that's a great, that's a great example because that is so common. The real estate is a huge market and people really need to know that most of the compliance stuff on Facebook is handled by an algorithm. It's not even humans who are reviewing it and saying, I think that's an employment offer or I think that's a housing offer. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. And so um, Kurt Molly is really good at explaining this and telling you not to take it personally because it most of the time is an algorithm. And one of the tips I got from him was to, now you can use uh, you can use the Facebook Ads Manager app on your phone to actually have a written appeal. Whereas they took away that option on desktop, you actually can't have a written. You can't submit in writing why you think the ad is is actually worthy of running or in compliance. For some reason, all you can do on desktop is click a button and say please review this, and it often doesn't result in an overturn of <laughs> of the ads compliance. So, highly recommend people go and check his stuff out. Another tip I'll give you. This is one of the it's probably more common knowledge, but just reinforcing that conversion data is so important. Feeding back conversion data to the platform, whether it's Facebook or Google or pretty much all the sophisticated platforms now have an ability for you to tell them which who's converting after they click from an ad. And oftentimes you're going to do that with setting up a pixel and setting up a snippet of code to say, hey, after they've done this action, then I'm going to fire that snippet of code, which you can do on the website. You can do it in a Google Tag Manager, however you want to do that. And then Facebook says, oh, okay, that person, let me go find more people that look like Kate Buck. She just converted. She bought that offer. She loves that. Okay, cool. Let's let's find another person like her because that person may be more likely to convert as well. Good luck with that. I mean, good luck with that. But There's only one Good Kate luck Buck, finding another person like me. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. So it's not a good example um, in this case, but... They'll, they'll try <laughs> no, to find no, no. someone with similar traits, right? Right. And yes. it is becoming more challenging because 
browsers are blocking pixels. And it's not completely accurate anyway. Sometimes you can double fire the pixel because someone reloads the page after they've already bought. I have a Google Tag Manager hack, which if anybody wants it, where I just have some code which I've sent a cookie and then prevents it from double firing. If anybody wants that, you feel free to reach out to me. But when that's happening, when any of that stuff is happening, you're not getting accurate conversions back to the platforms and they don't they don't work as well. So another thing you can do is what's called on Facebook, it's called offline event sets. And on Google and other platforms, it's called other things. But basically, generically, it's called offline conversions, where even if it's not happening truly offline, I mean, these, these are still internet conversions that are happening, but you can send data. You say this whole set of people, you can export that from your CRM, let's say, and, and put it into Facebook and say, all these people converted. And it just makes your campaign data that much more accurate. And it helps you decide which campaigns are really producing for you and which campaigns aren't producing for you. And that's it's often a challenge. It looks like campaigns are or they're way overspending, or it looks like they're underspending. I should ramp it up when in fact you're losing money. It's it, you can lose a lot of money when you don't have accurate data. So those are two things on like the network side of things, and I can give you a couple more on the on the CRM side of things if you're up for it. Absolutely, yeah. I want I want to hear your I want to hear your whole tech stack for. for <laughs> I don't think we have time for because I can go I can go for hours on this stuff. But one of the simpler things that people can do is what's what I call lead source tracking. So anytime someone is coming to a page, make sure you're tagging which lead source they came from. One of the easiest ways to do that is to simply use a dedicated landing page for each traffic source. And as Justin would tell you, it's good to often do that anyways, because the messaging is usually somewhat different for a given traffic source. For example, someone came from a Google search ad, they just saw like 35 characters of text on two different lines or just very short text, whereas someone came from a long form Facebook ad, they know a lot more. So that landing page, you want to consider that where someone came from and, and what they've seen before and where they are in their own journey right but when i when i talk about lead source tracking take all the important metrics in your funnel or as i call it your pipeline and look at it per lead source because if you have someone coming from that google search ad and they haven't seen as much and your landing page doesn't tell them as much your opt-in rate may be way lower from that traffic source or maybe your opt-in rates are pretty similar but then the next stage after that let's say it's applications that's going to be that could be a lot lower than than your facebook leads but when people look at all of these metrics together, just in a blended in a blended way, not per lead source in their, in their CRM, they're going to see muddled data. It's not really going to be clear which lead sources are really working for them and which which ones aren't. So that's super super valuable for for people to start separating these things out. You don't have to go into the complicated attribution tools if you don't want to. That's not a good first step, anyways. Those are those are good add-ons later on where you're going to have a wicked reports or other attribution tools you're going to use but they are more confusing and you are going to you are going to have to spend time really mastering those tools because the data in them doesn't even make sense at first like what am i looking at here it looks like it's useful but probably not so much uh you have to you have to kind of figure a way around that uh, one of the other things because i work so much with high ticket offers like coaching and courses and are offered at the company i work for is very high ticket is it's very it's almost like totally opposite from e-commerce where e-commerce is like how do we get more people through this page how do we make the checkout process as easy as possible how do we how do we uh, make sure every little thing is is super slick so that people just slide on to the next step and high ticket it's like well let's make them run around the block three times in under six minutes and record it on video and then submit that and then they have to fill out an application form and then they have to do a call and then they might then they have to do a quiz before they do a call actually and then after the call then they have to actually prove that they're still accountable and they have to submit this thing within 24 hours <laughs> like we have all these different drop-off points and so what happens is you get lots of people interested top of funnel and then you have these huge drop-offs between each of those steps but one of the big dangers with that is because there's so 
so few conversion points all the way down here and depending on the company it can take days or weeks for someone to get down here you can end up having that pool of people and you say wow actually this pool of people we've gotten for the last six weeks for the last month they're not nearly as qualified what happened to our traffic and then oh our ad spend for the entire last month has been misguided something happened we're not our, our pixels not firing correctly our targeting changed and how much ad spend was that for a month six weeks whatever it was that could be tens of thousands of dollars so one of the other things that I highly suggest, especially for high ticket offers, is to be doing some kind of lead scoring just to help you predict that this person coming in, they're more likely than other people to actually do something. And, and you get a sense of overall, this batch of leads, how likely are they to, to convert down, down the line? You can do lead scoring based on traits. For example, someone filling out an application form, they're answering questions in a certain way. How closely do those answers match up with people that have been good customers for us, right? Ideally, you get into behavioral lead scoring where you're looking at what are they actually doing on the site, what, what videos are they watching, what emails are they clicking on, etc. And you can decide based on that. Because uh, what you want to see is separation between the people who actually end up becoming customers versus people who don't. So if, if you have just, if you're doing it just based on applications, then you can have the problem where you get a lot of false positives. This person looks like they'd be a good application, but actually a lot of people that don't become customers also answer questions that way, you know? And it takes time. You've got to really look at your tools. Again, one of the techniques I learned from, from John Belcher was what he calls correlation and conversion. It's in one of the Ad Skills courses. I'm not sure where it is now because some things have been moved around, but um, it's, it's something you can do in Google Analytics. You don't need any fancy tools. That's one of the great advantages of it, and it, it does take some some legwork, but it's it's a good technique. And then there's other dedicated tools like Heap and other things that are actually looking at tons of data on your website and looking to correlate that to conversions for you, so that you can build behavioral lead scoring models. That's more sophisticated, but it's good to, with all this stuff. It's good just to get a start and just start where you are and say, okay, well let's ha let's make one more change to this to make it a little bit better and a little bit better. If you have the tweaking mindset, you can be a good media buyer. That's my mindset. Is there a um what is there a CRM that you prefer for this lead scoring and all of this data to kind of run through? Do you have one that you recommend or prefer or love or hate even maybe? <laughs> well, at the company I asking work for, for we for, use asking asking for a friend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we use HubSpot where we work, uh, where I work, and um, it's it's expensive though. And it still has serious limitations with with some of this. It doesn't just inherently do all the all the things I talked about. And even with the number of calculated fields you can use to to be even able to calculate these scores, you can only have like five fields, and you're spending all this money, like thousands of dollars per month, on HubSpot. So I don't recommend it for many cases. I think you guys at AdSkills are using HubSpot at this point, so it does have a lot of advantages. But it's no by no means perfect. But I think Active Campaign probably is is the might be one of the best platforms if not the best platform for this for most businesses and that's where i would start if i was going to start something on the side if i was going to build something from scratch active campaign is really powerful i honestly don't know the full extent of its capabilities now because they've actually added a lot in the last year or two but that is where i would go and and check out what they can do first and then explore of course these third-party tools that are supposed to be specialized in, in calculating lead scores and giving you insights into what's happening on your mm -hmm. site that you may not be aware of. Like, uh, I think you mentioned Wicked Reports at one point. Is that, is that what you mean, these third-party? Heap is one tools? of them where it actually looks at everything happening on your website. Wicked Reports looks at 
four main attribution points. They look at first click to your website. So it's useful for that. Um, first opt-in, they look at re-opt-ins and, and then the last click before purchase. They look at those four main attribution points. I've actually been working with them lately on a new feature that they've just rolled out called custom clicks, which lets you report in all these other mid-funnel conversions. Like, because first click and first opt-in are nice, but again, in like a high ticket funnel, you've got all these other things that matter in between. How many people are are applying, how many people are uh, taking the quiz that they have to do before they book a call, how many people are getting to the book a call page and then and then booking a call, how many people show up for the call, <laughs> all these different things, right? Yeah. And if you can't, if the attribution tool doesn't know about those things and can't tie those actions back to specific campaigns, then it's a lot more limited. So they are introducing that and then other tools, I'm sure, offer some of that already. But it's with all these different tools, you've got to really look and see, does it do exactly what I want it to do for my situation, for my tech stack, for my current goals? Is it worth the cost? And, but so start basic, start with Google Analytics, just configure it in certain ways that are going to help you. A lot of it is mindset first, because you've just got to get in the mindset of looking at the data and tracking and making sure that things are not broken. <laughs> that pixels, pixels are firing, that Facebook is seeing data and start with the basics and then you can up level from there. Awesome. Well, um, this has been really informative. I've learned a lot from this interview. Thanks for answering some of my off-book questions. And um, if anybody that's listening wants to reach out and connect with you, maybe chat more about some of this analytics, attribution, tracking, um, all of our fun, all these fun words, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you, Sunny? Fun is the key there, right? Fun, we put the fun back in funnel. Oh, that's good. So if you're in Pro League, feel free to hit me up in Pro League. Feel free to tag me. Feel free to direct message me. If you're not in Pro League, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. I think you're going to have the link to my LinkedIn profile on the show notes. And you can also email me. My uh, my email address is sunny at sunnysukumar.com. Don't expect you to know how to spell that, so I'll spell it for you. S-U-N as a Nancy, N as a Nancy, I as an India, at sunnysukumar, S-U-K-U-M as in money, A-R.com. We will put that for sure, your LinkedIn and um, your email address. If you're watching on YouTube, see below in the description. If you're listening to the podcast uh, on audio, then you'll find it in the show notes. Thank you very much, Sunny, for being here today. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Kate. And your been, expertise. Yeah. It's been fun. Awesome. And for everybody that's listening, of course, love if you take a moment and uh, review the podcast and subscribe so you don't miss another episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. 